0: Welcome to Chamber Chats, the Halifax Chamber's new podcast where we check in with the local business community, ask government the tough questions, and find ways to save your business money. For the foreseeable future, we're focusing on COVID-19 and the economic impact we're facing, along with available resources and tales of resiliency. Coming to you from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Halifax Chamber's very first podcast episode. I'm Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce and your host today. We started this podcast as a new way to reach out to our members and to the business community as we navigate through COVID-19. And we're so excited to have our first Halle Famous guest for our inaugural episode. We have Mayor Mike Savage, who was first elected mayor of the Halifax Regional Municipality on October 20th, 2012, with a mandate to make Halifax the most livable, entrepreneurial, and inclusive city in Halifax. Now in his second term, Mayor Savage continues his work to make the Halifax region a place where residents can live, belong, and thrive. Welcome, Mayor. Thank you very much for joining us on Chamber Chats.
1: Yeah, good, uh, good to talk to you, Patrick.
0: Yeah, no, it's great to, great to talk to you. I, I think we're talking an awful lot lately, though, aren't we?
1: We are. And I think, you know, the work that you've done, that you've led with the Chamber, uh, since this COVID really um, came upon us, uh, you've been having these these calls, you've been in bringing people in, bringing in information, all the orders of government and business, labor, not-for-profit organizations. And uh, I think it's provided a real service, not only to your membership, but to governments who are trying to react to this. So it's, it's really good work.
0: No, that's great. Well, thank you. Yes, I I think sometimes on the call, I I seem to get a sense that sometimes you're trying to give some messaging as well to other levels of government.
1: Yeah, I think there's that, you know, because we are we are the order of government that uh, has, I think, more, um, you know, financial and legislative uh, handcuffs than the others. So but I'm appreciative. I mean, on those calls, uh, Andy and Chuck from Andy Fillmore, Chuck from ACO, Bernie Miller, um, I think everybody's really trying to put their shoulder to the wheel this is unprecedented and I think the work that's being done uh, is really strong and is informed by work such as the stuff that you're leading with the chamber
0: well no I appreciate it. Thank, thank you very much and um, and it's a it's a testament to the to the group really I mean we've now got over 160 people on the call uh, and a, about hundred a day I think uh, when we have the call so it's it's great to do but You know, I wanted to ask you, how are you and your family doing right now during this? I I did see on Twitter that your wife was trying to give you a haircut.
1: My wife is a saint and um, we've been married for 33 years. We've uh, survived a lot of challenges. I just thought that might be the biggest one, but um, she did a really good job. Uh, I, uh, I think she's done really well with this, but I do look forward to Supporting my private sector hair cutter uh, uh when I get back uh, into uh, circulation, but she did really well.
0: Oh, that's great! That's great. Well, I, luckily you didn't end up with a hairstyle like mine, so. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, that was an option. That was an option. It was an option.
0: <laughs> so. Tell us. Tell us about Halifax or the city's response to COVID nineteen so far.
1: Yeah. So it's such a crazy time, and uh, you know when. I actually went into self isolation very early on, just before everything kind of shut down, because we were told that we might be suspect to a potential third party person who might have COVID. As it turned out, we were cleared, but gave us an early taste of what many people are going through. So, th- and from the city's point of view, the first thing we wanted to do was we wanted to reassure people and, particularly, folks. In our workforce that as much as possible we would have their back and support them through difficult times keeping in mind that it took a while for as it, as it had to for governments to react to how they were going to support uh, individuals and businesses that were affected by covid but our big challenges early on were things like transit it was deemed an essential service people healthcare workers needed to get to hospital uh, grocery store workers drugstore workers the people who work in the financial industry who still had to get to work and their customers needed service and that was in transit. So one of the first things we did and a number of transit organizations did the same thing was we moved to rear loading of the buses so that the operators wouldn't be subject to people coming on board um, the buses unguarded. And of course, what that meant was we couldn't take, we couldn't take fares. So that was a, that's a financial hit. And then of course, things like the parks and recreation, you know, how do we, how do we manage those uh, as the orders were changing from from public health um, and so there was an, the first week or so was it was really managing the crisis day by day with the extraordinary staff that we have, well led by Jacques Dubé, the CAO. And every day we would have a call, every single day, including Saturdays. We had a call at 8:30 in the morning with all the senior directors, myself, and the deputy mayor, and we would go through what was having to happen, and it was pretty, pretty dramatic. We shifted though to you know what what is the financial impact on the city because it's very significant, and we knew that. We would have to do something to support businesses and individuals who were hurt, lost their paycheck, stores that were closed, restaurants that were mandated to be closed. We, we know that we have to do something on the property tax issue, just as other orders of government are helping people as well. So that's been a big focus. And it led to the fact that we announced that 1,480 people who otherwise would be working with us, many seasonal term workers. Wouldn't be able to. uh, We wouldn't be able to hire them. We didn't have the work for them, and we didn't have the finances to pay them. And then um, we're reprofiling the budget so we can determine exactly how we can help uh, people in other ways. And so it's been a it's been a busy time for sure. And um, but I'm very proud of the work that um, our staff and our counselors have done, trying to keep people up to date as to what's happening, trying to get feedback, trying to help where we can. And then of course everything just was shattered on Sunday with this awful news that started in Portapique and and carried on down uh, almost into HRM so it's been a very traumatic time
0: yeah yeah and, and I know you share as I do I the, um, you know the feelings of loss um, that uh, that I think all Nova Scotians are feeling right now with the uh, uh, the activities over the weekend and, and so many wonderful people um, taken so early uh, you know it, it, I, I hesitate to call it a tragedy myself I mean it's it's just because it was, uh, you know, an individual, Um, you know, those those folks should be here with us today. So anyway, a terrible, terrible, terrible story. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I wanted to pick, on some, pick up on something you said uh, a moment ago when I mean, you talked about transit, you talked about transit being an essential service, but there's been a real change, I think, um, and not only in Halifax, but, but across the country uh, where folks that, you know, we may not have thought that they were an essential service. Um, and that's folks like transit, transit drivers. It's folks like grocery store workers. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's farmers. Um, it's so many people now that we realize are essential to our economy. Um, essential to the to the Halifax economy. Um, you know, I, is that something that you, you foresaw at any point?
1: I, th- I think you're quite correct that, you know, we think of essential service in terms of those traditional essential services, things like fire and police. And, um, you know, we recognized early on that transit was going to be an essential service. And, even before it was deemed as such, we knew that we had to take extraordinary measures to keep it going. Even in areas that were real hotspots, you know, like New York City and places, they needed to keep the transit going or else the healthcare system could fundamentally break down. And uh, so many people, I think you're right on the money that a lot of people, we don't normally think of as essential, the the cashier at Sobeys or Superstore, um, uh, and at, you know, the the pharmacies. uh, they're coming to work and i do think that Sobeys and superstore have stepped up to assist their employees through this difficult time um but you know they're standing there they're they're dealing with people um you know dozens or hundreds of times uh, a day doing work that um puts them in in uh um you know could potentially put them in danger as well not to mention the healthcare workers and the home care people and the seniors uh, residents folks so there's a lot of people right now that are doing work that, um, we would have traditionally taken for granted. And I, we certainly aren't now and I hope we don't in the future.
0: Right. Has council had to be very specific at all about capital projects and what may be delayed in the, uh, in the future?
1: Yeah. So we're reprofiling our budget. The budget was going to be passed on March 26th. I think it was the first council meeting that we had to, uh, uh, cancel. Um, We had a good budget with a good number of capital projects. We um, are going ahead with some of them. So some of the stuff that we're working with the province, for example, on the, uh, we have a role to play in the, um, in the uh, new hospital where we've been working with the province and trying to identify the parking and the heating plant for the new hospital. That's a big construction project. We worked out an arrangement where with the province that we can both accept. Um, There's a big project on the Windsor street interchange that we want to get a, a get get on with. These are projects that are funded, that uh, are highly leveraged by other orders of government. And so they make sense. And it's work that can be done under the provincial order, state of emergency order. So we're trying to identify those projects. And and then um, there will no doubt be some projects that we're going to have to look at and say that's something that may have to wait in light of the fact that, you know, we're going to be tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in the hole once we figure out the whole tax deferral uh, piece. So, uh, yeah, we have to look at every single priority that was in our existing budget and determine whether it's still the priority right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, Halifax has seen so much growth um, in the last number of years from big investments, real estate development. We continue to see, you know, real investment, immigration, population retention. I mean, we were on a pretty good track g- coming into 2020. Um, do, you, do you think this is a hiccup uh, or, uh, or do you think this is, you know, going to be longer term? What do, what do you think at this point?
1: Well, look, I, I don't think anything related to COVID is a hiccup. I think it's it's a, it's a bit of a structural alignment because, you know, I feel so strongly for businesses that are impacted as well as individuals. But I had a restaurateur tell me that when they opened their restaurant a few years ago, they they thought they factored in everything, all the risk factors, you know, a fire, losing a key person. Uh, you know, what happens if the economy goes south? They didn't factor in a pandemic where they would be ordered by the government to shut down. And it's making them rethink whether they want to reopen. So I think it's going to have a fundamental impact. In terms of our economy versus others, we're fortunate that we don't have the double whammy of the oil and gas shock that, uh, yeah. you know, my colleagues in Edmonton and Calgary, Saskatoon, Regina, St. John's have. So And we went into the COVID uh crisis in pretty good shape uh, very good shape as a fast-growing economy and I see no reason why we can't come out of it as a fast-growing economy um, but I do think that it's going to be a period of adjustment and that people's habits spending habits um, social habits are going to change I just think that's I think that's fundamentally what's what's going to happen and hopefully we'll get back to a place where we can all get out and enjoy each other's company in a safe way again but I think it's I think it's a I think it's going to be quite a realignment of um, of the economy.
0: Yeah. Well, so you you mentioned some of the other larger cities in Canada. Um, you are a member, an active member, of the Federation of Canadian Mis- Municipalities Big City Mayors Caucus. When you speak to other mayors, um, what's the most common topic of discussion about what's needed most for Canadian cities right now or, or in the future? Well,
1: it, our discussions, of course, now are covid Related, we've had a very strong relationship with the federal government, where they have supported infrastructure in a big way, um, public transit, um, you know, green infrastructure, uh, water, wastewater projects, um, a, a number of other projects. The, the federal government has put a lot of money into that. Um, our focus has changed. There isn't a city in the country that isn't facing a crash, a cash crunch. Uh, Toronto, I think I, uh, you know, my friend John Tory, I think he's losing twenty million a week. On transit alone um, and of course you know that's a the scale uh, may change but for all of us that's a big issue so we need some kind of help on operating and I think it's going to come in the form of guaranteed loans because municipalities don't have the same access to money as other orders of government we're also hoping that the feds and the province will consider looking at backstopping losses in transit but also overall looking at our operating costs and recognizing in the case of Halifax, 82% of our revenue comes from tax. If we defer a significant amount of that, then we're in the hole. And the services that we provide, police, fire, garbage, transit, these services are, uh, if not all officially essential, pretty much essential. Imagine if we didn't pick up people's garbage for you know a month or a month and a half, um, yeah. or the buses couldn't run. So we're looking for operating support. Um, and, and I think both the feds and the province are sensitive to that but everybody's building you know building programs right now i mean the yeah. feds are, and the province are it's like building the airplane while you're flying it you know situation they're and they're adjusting as they go and i think they've done extraordinarily well um and um you know i know you know they're you know you build something like the serb and then people say well what about seasonal workers then i covered you try to cover seasonal and then the qualification is difficult now they're looking at the student situation and trying to figure out how to pull students into this somehow. So we recognize that everybody has a ton of balls in the air. Um, are, 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 we have a cash crunch without a question, and we're going to need help.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I think you know the thing that I know you've mentioned to me before. Um, you know, from our perspective, we've looked at some of the numbers. Uh, we've looked at uh, what the economists are saying, and I I think there's still you know sixty to seventy percent of the businesses are still operating in in Halifax. Um, it's clearly uncomfortable, even for some of those businesses, and of course for the businesses that have been forced to close, very uncomfortable. Uh, but you know, if someone is still getting a paycheck, I think you know it's it's incumbent on them to pay their taxes for the services that they uh, that they receive um, as they if you know if they can if they're still working. I think it's important to pay those taxes to ensure that the city doesn't have to make you know some of the choices that I that I'm sure you're uh, sure you're considering. To be, to be a little more positive, I'm going to try and get a little more positive now. Um, you know, we've heard some great news stories about local businesses who've piv- pivoted their offerings to adapt to this new reality, compass distillers who slowed down their world famous gym, gin production to make uh, hand sanitizer. Have you heard any stories from other businesses that, that, uh, that are having a, you know, a positive impact, uh, that you'd like to share?
1: Well, yeah, I don't have the right in front of me, but the, the, um, the company from the Eastern Shore, the councillor Hensley, was very supportive of that. Is making protective uh, equipment, and I think they're doing it now out of a school in Dartmouth, which is empty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and that's an extraordinary uh, project. I've I've been talking in the last couple of days in anticipation of some discussions I've had with the Prime Minister's Office about students and and the academic institutions and some of the great work that's happening at, at Dalhousie, but also at St Mary's and other places. Uh, even you know looking at vaccine work uh, and also looking at how do we uh, uh how do we learn from other jurisdictions and how do we get more ppp more ppe out the door so there's all kinds of um, you know supportive things that are happening and i got to mention organizations like uh, united way sarah napier the atlantic compassion fund that started with atlantic business interiors and the mayors put big money into it and i've talked to other organizations that are going to contribute and then individually something like the canteen in Dartmouth who have set up a community kitchen yeah. that the prime minister mentioned earlier this week or perhaps last week I think it was this week yeah um, people are just pitching in and trying to help um, wherever they can and it's pretty um, it, it's very heartwarming I do think that that is representative of who we are as a people and um, it does bring a little bit of light in a, in a bit of a gloomy time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Halifax is generally so alive with tourists in the summer, walking along the waterfront, um, stopping in the restaurants or eating on the uh, on the patios. The tourism industry is inevitably feeling a, a significant impact, or will feel a significant impact. Do you know if there are any discussions to kind of mitigate this uh, this loss at this point?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know when you there are people who have slowed down, there are people who have taken pay cuts, there are people that have laid people off. And then there are industries that have basically been shut down. And um, if you look at this time of year and what it means in the hospitality industry, the decks should be opening now. Uh, People should be out and about with other people enjoying each other's company, having a drink, um, having dinner. And none of that is uh, able to happen now. So we have to provide support. I think that, um, one of the ways I see is perhaps being helpful is through our business improvement districts who have been active in your group. And, uh, you know, I rely on them for a lot of ideas and um, how to, you know, st- stimulate activity in their areas. So I certainly think uh, that the buy local piece is going to be very important because it's, it's hard to see people <clears throat> jumping on cruise ships in a hurry. It's hard to see people going on planes in the near term. Um, it, it's going to rely on us, Helping out those industries that are going to need our support, and um, I think that's you know that's where a lot of it's going to come from. It's tough for us. Imagine it. Imagine if if PEI didn't have a summer season. I mean, imagine the impact that that's going to have on any office that are hotspots for tourism. So, I think that's an area where you're going to where we are going to see as we start to look at how we reopen the economy. That's an area that's going to need a lot of help.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that the, certainly the concept of buy local is uh, is going to be so important. Uh, you know, I've done a number of interviews lately, and and uh, you know, my comment is I'm certainly willing to go to a restaurant a few times a week. You know, once I can, happy to do takeout now, but happy to go to those restaurants when I can. Happy to spend my you know extra time in craft breweries and wineries across the province uh, to do what I can to sort of build the uh, build the industry back up. Uh, right. For sure, but we all need to do that. We all need to step up. Yep. Um, you know, we're we're kind of in that crisis mode right now, dealing with new information uh, every single day. Uh, but when the time comes, we'll need to work together to get back Halifax back on its feet. How how do you think we reopen Halifax?
1: Well, I think you know the the first thing is that we have to be guided by public health. We there is no option other than to. Um, take our direction from the people who are managing this crisis uh, for us. So I think we have to deal with that. There is no question that people are, are, have an appetite and that will increase over the next weeks to get back to some degree of what they call normalcy. And I'm sure that it'll be gradual. So I, in my own mind, I'm thinking about the reverse of how we got into this. People forget how recently all this came upon us. Um, I was talking with Sarah Napier about, the different stage of mind, the fundraiser for mental health, which seems like a long time ago, but it's, I think it's only six or seven weeks ago. And at that point in time, yeah. and I was the MC, and I was bumping elbows with people, I wouldn't shake hands and people thought that was an overreaction. Um, we've gotten into this in stages. So at first, people were told, you know, no large gatherings, nothing more than 150. That went down to 50. And at that point in time, you know, bars and restaurants were wondering, you know, can we even survive this? And then, of course, we went down to five. So I expect, and I'm not, I don't have inside information. I mean, I've had some general conversations with with, uh, Premier McNeil um, as he's turning his head to this. My my sense is we'll do it gradually, that we will let people get back uh, to work, that we hopefully will let people get out into the uh, parks and trails and uh, continue to use social distancing as much as possible. And then the restaurants and bars, I, I would I would guess might be open at some percentage of capacity as we ease back into this. And today the news on TV this morning was that there may be a second or third wave yet to come on COVID. So I don't think that we're going to, uh, we're not going to just jump back into party mode. And one of the sad things, Patrick, is one of the things I would look forward to coming out of COVID would be things like the Halifax Wanderers. Um, right, right. Who had such a great first year, but uh, I don't think they're not going to have a second year right now. And uh, so we need to try to make sure that we do what we can do to support things like the wanderers, the Thunderbirds, the Mooseheads, the hurricanes, those things that normally bring us to, together in big numbers, but that's not likely part of it for the future. So I expect it will be a gradual reopening and um, people will dip their toe back in both from what the government will allow and also from what people will accept.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely. I think I think masks will probably be a part of that too. Yeah. Um, as we uh, as we get back into this, I mean, that certainly seems to be what they're doing in in some of the U.S. states, um, like New York, uh, where they're uh, where they're mandating masks at this yeah. point. So let me get on to the most important question of the day: Will the 2020 municipal election be postponed? That's a good
1: question. I don't know. That's not. Uh, I don't really think that, that's not my decision. It's not something that I really feel like I should opine on. Other than to say that. I think the the reason to post i'm hoping that I'm hoping that we're back to uh um some kind of what we might refer to as normalcy in advance of that. The question is does it allow non incumbents the opportunity to campaign um, It seems unlikely that people are going to be knocking door to door in a, this summer. It seems unlikely that people are going to want people in their house to talk about things this summer and um it, that that's really the question. We bought in campaign finance reform. We have that in play for the first time this year. And that was to even the playing field between incumbents and non-incumbents. And, um, you know, I think if the provincial government determines that we can, we can have a good fair campaign, um, we'll go ahead with the election. If not, then they, they may have to take some other options. I don't know if the Nova Scotia Federation of municipalities would weigh in on that. Um, it's not really something that I, um, That I want to take a position on. Um, There's good arguments on both sides, I suppose. We need to see how quickly we get back to normal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There there was electronic voting in some elections recently, wasn't there? Or, or is there electronic voting? There is, isn't there? Yeah, we have
1: about two thirds of people vote electronically now, so we have the mechanism to do a vote. That's not a problem. The question is, is it fair to people who are entering politics for the first time who don't have the um, established profile of incumbent politicians. Is it fair to people like that uh, if they don't have the opportunity to get out and campaign normally? I think that's the big question.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all my questions today, Mayor. I I really appreciate you joining us, um, you know, in this time of COVID-19, which is, uh, you know, certainly a a bit of a dark time, uh, particularly this week. Uh, But uh, I think, you know, we are going to come out of this. Uh, Halifax is going to return. Uh, to, I believe, to the growth that, uh, that we had before. Uh, and, uh, you know, what we need to do is ensure that the programs that are available uh, and the, uh, the programs that, whether it's federal, provincial, um, or municipal governments are, are putting together kind of work in synergy, uh, are that cascade opportunity for, uh, for people to participate in,
1: uh, mm-hmm. and
0: that all the businesses um, in Halifax kind of get back on their feet in the, uh, in the coming months. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with as we wrap up?
1: Just that I think one of the lessons of this whole thing should be that we don't take things for granted like the ability to have Easter dinner with our kids. Um, uh, and also that I hope the level of cooperation that we've seen as we face this crisis, all orders of government, uh, I think generally all political parties working with business, with labour, with non-governmental organisations um, and individual citizens. We, we've seen a level of cooperation that I think has stood us in good stead and uh, I hope that that continues. And I fully agree with you that we had a strong economy going into COVID-19 and uh, we're going to do everything we can, all of us together, to make sure that continues uh, post-COVID. And uh, I'm optimistic uh, about that. And it's just that we're going through a difficult time and we got to stick together and we got to do it apart for a while yet.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Mayor Savage, for joining us today. Uh, we're looking forward to working with you to get Halifax reopened. Uh, I would encourage all of our listeners to tune in next time to halifaxchamber.com slash podcast uh, and take a look at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. Tune in next time at halifaxchamber.com slash podcast. The Halifax Chamber is in your corner.